You've read or heard or preached the scripture this week. So now what? Well, you can join me, Pastor Allen, and my colleague, Pastor Carissa, as we explore the spaces between the Sundays in our podcast, Soft Idolatry. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 3 of Soft Idolatry. This week, we're going to be talking about joy. This is the third Sunday of Advent coming up and well, coming up for us, but actually just past yesterday for you all listening to this. Uh, Alan, how are you today? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing great. Do you have a sermon title yet? I do have a sermon title. My sermon is called Give Joy. Give Joy. That's a very joyful title. It, it is. And it's Christmassy, too, because you're giving something away. That's true. It's generous and joyful. Uh, mine mm-hmm. is actually Life in the Desert. Okay. So, so you know, the spiritual desert of winter, of, of the holiday season, etc.? Well, I was mostly going with holiday season, but it is very cold here in Pittsburgh today, and I was feeling a little bit of the winter desert as I was out there walking my dog earlier. Okay, very good. Hey guys, I'm thinking of using gladness and joy for my sermon title. I, I, I'm sorry. Uh, Carissa, we're getting somebody else on the line. Uh, did I forget to tell you that Rebecca was joining us today? Who? Oh, don't play dumb. You know Rebecca. I do know Rebecca. <laughs> I know her quite well. Um, we, and you we weren't are, playing. <laughs> and I wasn't playing. Um, we, we, we have a guest today. Uh, this Ooh. is our dear friend, Rebecca DePoe. Rebecca is one of our friends from seminary and one of Carissa's closest colleagues in ministry in Pittsburgh Presbytery. That's right. Uh, Rebecca, do you want to just introduce yourself briefly? Where are you serving and how did you get roped into this? I would love to. Um, so yes, I am a pastor. I serve two small congregations in Pittsburgh, uh, Mount Nebo United Presbyterian Church and Glenshaw Valley Presbyterian Church. Um, I'm the only pastor in our presbytery that has membership in both the north and the west part of our presbytery. In case okay, that might jumping. be going into too much detail about Pittsburgh Presbytery, just saying. <laughs> there was a little bit of polity right there, yeah. So yeah, we asked Rebecca to come and join us because we've been going strong for, what is it, 18, 19 episodes now, without a break. Something like that. Yeah, even on vacations and retreats, we've still managed to record. And at some point, one of us or both of us are going to have to take a break. Right. And you are going to have to take a break really soon because... I'm a glutton for punishment. Yes, you are. <laughs> yes, I am. I will be Please starting define your terms. <laughs> I will be starting a doctoral of ministry, doctorate of ministry program in January. So there are two weeks in January where I'll be taking intensive seminar classes, and then two weeks in June, and then two in January, etc. And... Uh, with all the traveling that I do as well, uh, we'll, we'll need a fill-in from time to time. Well, I yeah. will gladly be your fill-in from time to time. Awesome. So I'm actually going away in February. Can you fill in for me in February? <laughs> <laughs> this is an example of being voluntold for those of you not in church circles. But yes, I will probably be able to. 
Uh, that was actually an example of the joke missing you. Rebecca's going away on the same trip <laughs> as I am. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And and what when do you leave for that? Uh, the trip is in mid-February, and we're actually looking into ways that we might be able to phone in from the ground in Central America. So you're just going to phone it in for a week or two? I mean, it wouldn't be the first time. Okay, very good, very good. <laughs> hey, uh, what's happening? Well, it's the third week of Advent. Yes. And it's it's coming on Christmas. They're cutting down trees. They're singing. They're putting up reindeer and stockings and singing songs of joy and peace. That sounds fun. Like. Like lyrics, <laughs> like I was listening to some Joni Mitchell today. <laughs> every week, every week. Um, but this is, as for all the joy that is out and about and around this time of year, this is also a hard time of year. Well, only if you stop and acknowledge feelings, Carissa. If you just keep barreling through everything and drown out the feelings with music and constant motion and busyness... <laughs> You don't and don't forget the Christmas problem. cookies. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, thank you for playing to my um, natural tendencies to just stuff it all down and sing louder. <laughs> <laughs> and take on too much work. Never. I would never be, do that. Yeah. And like Rebecca said, and, and drown our sorrows in Christmas cookies. Um, and especially as we get to this joy Sunday, that can be really hard for people. It can be really hard. You know, we as a society don't do well with grief. We don't know what to do when someone else is grieving. And it's even more complicated at a time of year that everyone is supposed to be happy. Although perhaps we need also a theological discussion on the difference between joy and happiness. Let's, let's stick in the happiness problem right now. What do you mean by that? So, okay, um, happiness is great, but happiness fades. It doesn't always last. Joy is something enduring, and I think joy is something from God. Happiness is something we can manufacture. Right. It, it, happiness is more situational, whereas mm -hmm. joy is more... Relational? Relational. It's more uh, a mindset. I think they can both be mindsets, but I think there is a depth to joy that there is not always to happiness. That's a fair, that's a fair assessment. Uh, Rebecca and I are partnering with another minister in our area that we, we often work closely with to ha hold a special church service this coming week that kind of addresses this issue. Rebecca, would you care to tell a little bit about what that, that service is? I would love to. So the service is called a longest night service, and we typically hold it on uh, the Thursday before Christmas, which is the longest night of the year. The longest Thursday, anyway. The longest Thursday <laughs> of the year, yeah. Um, I believe this year we're um, holding it at 7 o'clock, which um, for people who are in Pittsburgh or on the East Coast, it's been getting dark at like 430 lately which means uh the night is longer than it is any other time of the year 
Um, and this service is really meant to be kind of um, an anti-Christmas service. Um, there will not be Christmas carols. There will not be candlelight. There will not be children dressed up as angels. Um, but it's more of a meditative, reflective service where we give voice to the hard parts of following Jesus. And that includes grieving. And that includes... Um, dealing with people that are hard to deal with. And that includes um, staying in relationship with people, even when it's hard. Um, this is a really beautiful service. It's one of my favorite services that we do every year. Um, it's particularly meaningful for me as I reflect on the people that I've lost in the last couple years. Um, and especially as a pastor who, you know, is reflecting on the people that I have have um lost in the past year so yeah it's it's a really beautiful service and i'm glad that we do it yeah i i, I agree and i think we're going to talk a little bit more about that after we run through our texts uh i can also say that last the uh, last advent i conducted a blue christmas service uh that's another catchy name that is sometimes used i can't and... use that one <laughs> I can't do it. The Elvis song sticks in my head every time. Oh, Christmas will Are they? Are they? I was gonna say if there's three of us, we're Elvi. Correct. Oh lordy, lordy. Yeah. Um. Go on. I'm sorry. I totally derailed you. That's okay. It's not no, the first I, time I, won't be it, last. it's not the first time, and I think we're gonna spend a little more time on this. Um, but yeah, I, I have I have done this as well, and I love that you are doing it collaboratively with um, another pastor. But really, we're talking about five different congregations, and right. you know, if you have a small to medium sized congregation, as I am the shepherd of a small to medium-sized flock, uh, you might not have as many deaths in a congregation in one particular year, and you might not have a lot of people to, to grieve that. Um, I think we only lost two members this year, and one of them, uh, the daughter and the granddaughter, don't live anywhere near New Jersey. Well, there's one granddaughter that lives in Philly, but uh, so, so that would leave just one other family. So we might put this off another year. And um, and frankly, the uh, the woman who died back in, I believe it was March, you know, she was 96 years old. God bless her. She was ready. And though everybody grieves, it's a very different experience. Uh, when it is someone who is 96 and loved everyone she met and everyone loved her. And that's very different from somebody who is 66 or 46. And so we just did not have that number of grief experiences in this past calendar year. I find, too, that these services don't just address grief, but they can also address things like loneliness, depression, other things that can really make this time of year difficult to contend with. Mm -hmm. um, but 
in a small congregation, you also aren't necessarily going to have as many people or even small to medium sized. If you put mine Mm -hmm. together, Um, you don't have as many people willing to come out on a Thursday night right before Christmas. So when you collaborate like this and have five congregations coming together, you wind up having, you know, it's kind of not that church is ever not worth the effort, but it makes it worth the effort. Right. Well, when, when you have, um, you know, the church I serve has an enormous sanctuary. And when we did our blue Christmas service last year, we, we didn't do it on the Thursday prior. I think we did it on maybe two Sundays prior. Um, we have an enormous sanctuary and we had maybe 15 or 20 people. And yes, you can ask everybody to sit in the front couple pews, but you just feel all of what's not there. Now, in a sense, that's really appropriate to the subject matter of the service. But on the other hand, you know, it just kind of plays up the the feeling of emptiness and uh, a lot of effort for very few worshipers. Right. It almost makes it more depressing than helpful because then not on top of whatever sadness you're feeling, you've got the grief of the fact that there's only 20 people in the sanctuary that holds 400. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Actually, I think we hold about 535, maybe. I think that's the number I've heard. Well, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to make you a t-shirt that says that for Christmas. Well, actually. (laughs) (laughs) The, the, yes, be, because I almost never mansplain. Yeah, we're going to get me one that says, absolutely. <laughs> and, and I want to defend myself right there. That was not mansplaining. <laughs> that was specifics about my, oh my God, sanctuary size. You... <laughs> I can't even with you right now. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not telling you because <laughs> gender doesn't figure into this. I know. I'm, you're just the whole... <laughs> Sorry. All right. Hey, um, why don't we, can you read Isaiah 35, 1 through 10, please? <laughs> I absolutely can. Great. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy in singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, be strong. Do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be open and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy, for waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals shall become a swamp, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there, and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, 
nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads, and they shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. That's so beautiful. It is. Beautiful and comforting, and it induces peace. And that is the text that I'm dwelling with the most this week, but I am also drawing from the Matthew 11 passage. And Rebecca, which one are you sitting with this week? Uh, the Matthew text. Mm-hmm. Ooh, a lot ahead. of peace there. A lot of peace. That sounded sarcastic. Um, mm. So I'm going to go ahead and read that, that Matthew passage. It's Matthew 11, 2 through 11. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you see and hear. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Oh, John the Baptist. Yes, John the Baptist. He uh, so he's in he does not right reduce now. the anxiety. No, he does not. I'm sorry, Rebecca, I didn't hear what you said. No, I was just saying that he's in prison, Like, is which is a prison. great time for reflection and angst. But what is striking kind of about this passage is he's in prison for preaching that Jesus is coming. And then he's like, so are you it or do we need to wait for another one? Yeah. Um, Yeah, you think about like the great prison letters, Bonhoeffer and Luther. There's just a lot of good stuff that comes out of prison. Not Luther, King, Martin Luther King Jr. I knew who you meant. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but and they they all kind of have like you have these um, existential moments of really hope I'm doing the right thing here, and we see that with with John where he says, "Are you sure?" <laughs> so we realize that this this episode is kind of exegetically light compared to what we normally do, and what I mean by exegetically light is we're not spending a ton of time talking about the scripture and the history of it or the context of it or anything like that, but rather kind of sitting with the feeling of it and how we connect to it this time of year, because there are a lot of people in our congregations for whom this is a hard time of year. And I think every single member of the clergy that I know, or at least in the the Christian faith, this is a really hard time of year. Would you guys agree with that? 
I would definitely agree to, with that. Uh, I would say, personally, I have... Um, personally, I have lost a lot of friends, some close, some acquaintances. I have lost a close family member. And, um, you know, I've been... I've been here in New Jersey for a year and a half, and I feel cut off physically from a lot of my friends and family. Um, the the people who created so many of my Christmas memories are gone, and not all of them recently. I mean, some of them passed a good 15 years ago, but the more distance I have from those times, the more I miss them. And the feeling of isolation only gets amped up when you move away from friends and family and support structure. And yes, I, I have found ways to have that here in Jersey. This is, it's not the case that I'm lacking the support structure, but at times like this, it is very emotionally clear how cut off I am. Um, you know, I had... A really good friend who is was my age who died from a heart attack as a complication of sleep apnea and I couldn't make it back for the funeral uh, I had a couple of high school classmates commit suicide they weren't close friends but um, I certainly would have gathered with people to uh, process feelings you know so for me, that is the challenge, and I think there are lots more people than clergy who are dealing with that and just sort of have to grit their teeth and force out a smile for everyone else, and that is difficult. Yeah. Rebecca, how about you? <clears throat> um, so I was very sick on Thanksgiving this year, like so sick that I couldn't go to one of our church's uh, Thanksgiving dinners that night. Um, and I find as a person who is amongst other people during the holidays, I get sick a lot. Um, there's the stress of, of the time of year, but then there's also like the germs that people bring with them to everything. Um, and this year's really been the first year where I have said, like, I am too sick to come. Because there are many years where I have preached when I barely have a voice and I'm coughing. And I've really tried to remember that life goes on without me. And I think that's the temptation of this time of year. Like, if I don't do things exactly the way they've always been done, somehow Jesus isn't coming. And I've really had to unlearn that this year as I've been sick and not been able to do things. Are you sure but you're as far as child? loss, I think the loss that I'm really wrestling with this year, um, we had six funerals in my one congregation this year. And I look out into the congregation on Sunday and I like see where they used to sit. And it's a small congregation. Everybody knows everybody. And just like, Holding that loss for them, but still trying to find a message of hope and joy has been really challenging um, and, and kind of figuring out how to hold that and not allow it to turn into fear of scarcity has been kind of the work of Advent for me this year. 
wow, that is a lot of loss in a small congregation, and that is a real challenge. I was I was speaking with one of my colleagues here today in this presbytery, and I think she says she said she's had a dozen funerals in her congregation this year, uh, maybe more. And she she's in this weird situation where she's the associate at a tall steeple church, but the senior pastor resigned at the end of last year. And they do not yet have an interim senior pastor. So Ooh. she, yeah, she has That's been shouldering time. all of that. That is a long time. And so every single funeral is her funeral. Oof. That's tough. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> you know, Rebecca, I am not trying to minimize uh, the losses in your congregation, but just thinking of the workload that. Uh, this woman is under um, just really astounding. Well, <clears throat> another thing that's really challenging about this time of year for me is that I have two congregations mm. and the two congregations are very different and they have distinct traditions and they have distinct ways of doing things. And they're both grappling with the loss of having a solo senior full-time pastor and a lot of that is kind of coming out sideways. Like, what do you mean you can't be at whatever because you're at the other church? Or what do you mean you can't be here to hang the greens? Or blah, 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 blah. And I didn't really understand that that was the loss they were going through because it was coming out as tantrums. It was coming mm. out as like, you are a terrible pastor. And what was actually happening was we're feeling the loss of having somebody's undivided attention and we don't know how to we know we can't go back to that but we don't know how to move forward and advent has been this really wonderful period of reckoning with like this is where we are how do we go forward from here boy that's something that only a pastor would say a wonderful period of reckoning <laughs> that is very true yeah that or a uh, someone writing a theological book Yes. I am deep back into that world again, and I've been doing a lot of eye-rolling at some of the terminology. Well, everyone thinks that you're the one who's going to be writing a book. Oh, really? Who is everyone? Pray tell. <coughs> Don't you have to do that before they give you a shiny piece of paper I, with more letters after your name? Actually, yes, yes, I basically do. <coughs> um, it's a short book for the demon. It is. If it were a full-on <laughs> PhD, it would be a full-on book book that sounds like a challenge but once you have a demon do you really need phd after your name no 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 <laughs> definitely not no uh yeah that's it then i'm done yeah and how about you carissa what has been a loss that you are reckoning with yeah um well, so, I mean, one big hardship this time of year is that on top of serving the two congregations and having all of the normal Christmas tension in church, um, trying to, you know, help congregants through a difficult time, especially congregants who are scared for the future of their church, that can be a feeling of loss right there um, or of scarcity. Um, on top of that, 
I have four kids, two of whom still live at home. And I think we have like, you know, four soccer practices and three cello concerts in the next week and a half, all the while trying to get ready for Christmas and finish Advent. And so it is, that's just exhausting. Um, it's exhausting. And we're also seeing the season change in our house as the kids are getting older and um, the days with them in our house this time of year are growing shorter and shorter. Um, and that is both a season to be embraced because we can do a lot cooler stuff with them, but it's also, there is a little bit of a sense of loss that our time is so, so short together in that way. Um, the other big loss I've been feeling this year, and I'm not sure I've talked about this on the podcast. We haven't really talked about a lot of personal stuff until today on the podcast, but this just seemed like the episode <laughs> to go ahead and do that. Um, this spring, I was diagnosed with uh, rheumatoid arthritis, which is an autoimmune disease that primarily affects the joints, but can cause all sorts of other issues as well. And um, just recently, I've been starting to experience um, some like minor and temporary loss of function in my hands and feet from time to time. And coming to terms with that has been very difficult because I like to do things with my hands and feet. I like to run. I like to hike. Um, you know, I love to knit and to play my guitar and to think about the fact that there's probably going to be one day where I can't do those things. Um, that's, that's tough. That's beyond tough. That's frightening. Yeah. Because so many of those things, if I can put my therapist hat on for a moment here, so many hats. of, I do have too many hats. <laughs> I actually don't have too many hats, but um, you know, all of those activities are parts of the various positive ways that you define yourself, the ways that you have yeah. constructed your identity and you are looking at a loss of identity through all sorts of wonderful things that you do. And if you are not frightened nearly to death by that, then you are burying it as, so that you don't have an emotional response. I would never. <laughs> wow, you just got pastored by a pastor. <laughs> he really did just put the smat. Wow. Yeah, you called me on that one. Yeah. <laughs> but it, but in a totally positive no, right. way. <laughs> yeah, it was very it was very well done. Very well done. But you're right. Yeah, it's it, and it you know, that's something that um I've also been then exploring the connection with my elderly congregants in that regard because they have been losing those things. Some of them for quite a while. Some of them are experiencing that loss more recently. Um, but it's the same sort of loss of control, loss of self-identity, loss of ability to do the things you once did. Loss of agency. Yeah, yeah. So what does joy look like for you in the midst of this desert period of life? Well, um, I've mentioned this on the podcast ad nauseum recently, but we got a new dog. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, that, um, there, there's your... There's your joy. Yeah. So joy is coming home and 
you know, if maybe the day has not been great, coming home and there is someone that is just literally dancing in circles and jumping up and down because they're so happy to go for a walk with their best friend. That's amazing. That is that is joy. And just, you know, seeing that, it, you know, when I get home or joy is, um, you know, my my kids getting excited for cookie exchanges and um, putting up the Christmas decorations and knowing that even though the days with them are getting smaller and smaller, we still do have quality time left with them. And the older ones that are out of the house are sort of mostly kind of figuring out how to live as adults on their own, you know. Um, So those are the, the glimpses of of joy. Joy is my uh, classic Enneagram 5 husband figuring out how to modify pull-up bars so I can still do the things that I love at the gym without losing feeling in my hands. Um, That's joy. How about for you? Oh, that's good. I think for me, the joy comes in the wonderful new relationships that I have been forming in the last year and a half uh, here in Freehold. The first I'd say about six months were the six of the most challenging months of my life because I was having to build out a whole new friend network and clergy network. And though it was always pleasant and enjoyable, and I I think I, I could see that there was the potential for good friendships, I have really been able to live into that in the last year or so. And my new friends have expressed their joy at having me be part of their group too. So I think that's where it comes for me. Rebecca? Um, I think for me, joy comes from fully showing up as myself in whatever situation I'm in. Um, not being afraid to say no to things, not being afraid to try things that I might not be great at. Um, about a year ago, I started CrossFit uh, here in Pittsburgh. I was wondering how long before you dropped that into this podcast. <laughs> um, and I've been working on pull-ups for the last three months, and I can finally do one. And the joy of being able to do one pull-up is kind of incredible. When I started CrossFit, I couldn't even grab the bar for longer than three seconds. Um But yeah, just being okay with imperfection and being okay with not not being where everyone else is and just kind of enjoying the journey has been has been a great source of joy. Um, Also, Chris's dog is one of my favorite people like this dog has magical mood altering powers. I don't understand it like. I will sit down and the dog will be in my lap and all of a sudden I feel like I can breathe easier. This dog is a terrible walker, but somehow makes two miles a little bit less excruciating. He's usually great. I maintain that it was he was jealous I was talking to you. That that may be. Um, I enjoy getting uh, my weekly Pecos updates. Um, he is currently sleeping on the couch because we took him for a walk and it's just delightful. Well, all of that. Um, I guess a final because... thing would be uh, community. Like, so I pastor two congregations, right? You would think I have more than enough community. 
Um, but it takes a while to become integrated in a community and um, really kind of find your people within it. So, yeah, those are the things bringing me joy these days. So, friends, I think that the point of our processing with you today is I think it's it's threefold um, because it's not to dump on you. What? I'm, I'm trying to keep track of your three points. You went to negative one. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think that our, our point today is kind of threefold because it could sound a little bit like we're just sort of dumping all of our guts on the table right now. But um, it's it's partly to encourage you all that it is okay to say to people, I am experiencing some loss or some grief right now. That's okay. In fact, that's healthy and you should do that, even if you are clergy. I repeat myself, pastor friends who might be listening, even if you are clergy, even if you are in a ministry position, doing a leadership thing in the church or in a nonprofit or wherever, it's okay and healthy to process that out loud with somebody you trust. It is okay. And especially for you non-clergy folks out there, if somebody does that with you, the response is, wow, that sounds like a really difficult situation or wow, what a challenge. Tell me more about that. The, the incorrect response is to engage in a competition uh, of who has it worse or to minimize. And whatever you do, please, please, please do not employ the words, well, at least. Right. And, and also, that's not necessarily the time to advise someone either. So please do not flood us with emails that say, um, hey, here's how to solve that problem. Here's what my mother-in-law did for her rheumatoid arthritis. Not helpful. <laughs> not the point. Correct. Yeah. Simply sit with the person who is feeling a little bit down. Validate that person's existence. Remind that person of your love and or concern for that person. And that's it. Correct. Our, our second point is to encourage those of you who are not clergy to check in on your pastor. Check in on your pastor, my dear sisters and brothers. They need your love right now. Don't dump on them about how they changed something during Advent. This is not the time. Don't tell them all the 500 things that have gone wrong with what they've done this year. Don't. Find something you appreciate about them and share that. And find a constructive way to share those other things another time. Like joining the Worship Commission. Correct. That Well, that's been my new tactic. If someone complains to me about the way something's going, I put them on the committee. <laughs> what a Presbyterian response. It is. I'm a good little Presbyterian. Um, and, and those of you who are clergy, it's okay to be a little vulnerable with your people if they're checking in on you. And check in on your other clergy friends, like Alan and Rebecca and I are doing today. Right. Thirdly, look for the joy. As hard as it can be, and um, as difficult as it is, as difficult as it is sometimes to find that joy, look for those small things. It doesn't have to be big joy. It can be a really great cookie. It can be your friend's dog. It can be 
having a beer on the porch with a friend, whatever like those small moments of joy are, find them and sit with them. Don't worry about if the big things go right or not, because there is still small joy in the midst of that desert. There is still something blooming in the desert. Yes, take joy wherever you can find it. Um, also, I would highly recommend that you look for images of deserts blooming. I saw a great picture mm. from Newsweek last spring of desert that had been exposed to a lot of rain over the winter. And wow, just the explosion of flowers and colors you 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 ought to you ought to be able to find some joy in that um it's there just look for it yeah and even when the desert isn't blooming there's like little bugs and and animals and things scurrying around there's still stuff there there's still some life it's just not the kind of life maybe you're looking for right Shall I pray us out, Carissa? Yeah, if you could pray us out. And then, um, Rebecca, I think you have the blessing in front of you. If you could read the blessing, that would be great. And then uh, we'll let you all off the hook for the, this week. Excellent. Let us pray. God of the desert, send us springs. Send us light and hope in this time of darkness. Point us toward relationships in this time of isolation. Restore us to wholeness in body, mind, and spirit. Amen. May God, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole, put you together, spirit, soul, and body. May God encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Amen. 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 Goodbye, friends, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Soft Idolatry. Uh, remember that you can always get in touch with us for questions or comments by emailing us at info at softidolatry.com. If you want to get links to connect with us on Facebook or find show notes or uh, possibly financially support us on Patreon, this is not a free hobby, <laughs> you can uh, go to our website, which is www.softidolatry.com. And uh, hey, Rebecca, hmm. I, uh, I have a, a question for you. Oh, gosh. What? <laughs> what do you call a kid who doesn't believe in Santa? Presbyterian? <laughs> that, well, I was going to say a rebel without a clause, but I kind of <laughs> like your answer better. You're welcome. Uh, hey, hey, Alan. Oh no! What? <laughs> I have two. Who's Santa's favorite singer? Uh, Isaac Bestrovitz singer. Elvis Presley. Uh, oh, I was gonna say Jingle Bells. You guys are no fun today. I gotta have better jokes next week. <laughs>